The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. Wake up, everyone. It's time for the Steve Noble Show, where biblical Christianity meets the everyday issues of life in your home, at work, and even in politics. Steve is an ordinary man who believes in an extraordinary God. And on his show, there's plenty of grace and lots of truth, but no sacred cows. Call Steve now at 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Or check him out online at thestevenobleshow.com. And now, here's your host, Steve Noble. Okay, I, I discovered a new way to start Theology Thursday with our friends at uh, BJU Seminary as well as Bob Jones University. And how fitting. I mean, this song just fits right in with uh, Theology Thursday. It's, let me know if you remember this. It's not a sin, to be honest. <laughs> yes. The material girl herself, Madonna. Come on, you can sing along. That's all right. Nobody's listening. We all know you know the words to a material girl living in a material world. Uh, So what in the world does Madonna have to do with Theology Thursday? Well, the answer to that is quite a lot. Uh, And only a dastardly diabolical mind like that of Dr. Renton Rathbens would come up with a Theology Thursday topic. Uh, Gen Z, a material girl living in a material world. You guys will you'll understand this as we get going. Uh, But we're going to be talking about Gen Z from that perspective, a material girl living in a material world. Revisit that song. If you tell me, Steve, I've never let that song uh, go through my head. You are a liar. You need to repent for that. But anyway. Dr. Renton Rathbun, welcome back. How are you? Great. Thank you for having me. All right. So, so explain, explain to us how you came up with the title of today's show. Now, we're talking about Gen Z, which we've got to make sure uh, we all understand who we're talking about. But Gen Z, a material girl living in a material world. What's up with this title? Well, first, we have, we have a generation that's fascinated with becoming more and more womanly or feminine, if I can put it that way. Um, you have young men who, um, if if they don't, if they're not transitioning to being a female, they are being encouraged to act more like a woman in order to be accepted today. And in today's, in their mindset, in today's uh, Gen Z person's mind, is this idea that we live in what's called now a disenchanted world that everything is material, and that is where we find truth. Um, And we can't find truth in the supernatural. The supernatural is something kind of crazy, something that your parents may have talked about, superstitious. But when it comes right down to it, we need need more than something supernatural. Yeah, so that that disenchanted world, when you think of enchanted, you kind of think of magical. So there's a lot of connotations to the use of that word in the culture. Uh, but that is, we would say a naturalist, a materialist, uh, a humanist, like the only thing that actually exists is matter. OK, it's the physical world. There is no spiritual thing. There's no spirit. There's no God. There's no uh, kind of uh, otherworldly outside influence. It's just what you can measure. Science is pretty much the language. And so that's why we say it's a disenchanted world. Uh, and then Gen Z, who are we talking about there? Because not everybody's memorized Gen X, Gen Y, Gen Z, millennials, <laughs> yada, yada. Who are we talking about? Yeah, typically with Gen Z, you're looking at um, maybe sixth graders up to college students yeah. at this point. Um, and this is an important generation. Uh, because I think 
this generation is coming into the world with um with cell phones i mean this generation is a generation that doesn't understand a world where people just went out and played in the dirt yeah and uh, got on bikes and rode uh they just everything's electronic right and part of what even made me start thinking about this was i've been reading this book uh by charles taylor I don't know if you've ever mm, seen a it. Secular it's uh, called age, A Secular Age. Which is definitely what we're in. Yes. So he's the one that came up with this idea that um, we're living in a disenchanted world. And the idea of enchanted does give that idea of um, of uh, fairies and uh, Harry Potter and all right, that sort right. of stuff. Um, but what he's getting at is, you know, just a you know 400 years ago which in the big scheme of history isn't that long everyone believed the world was filled with with demons angels god satan um they would fight over who god was and who these demons were that's what they were fighting over they weren't fighting over whether they actually existed right but today um our young people are really struggling over whether any of this is even something to to believe in at all and so they're they're kind of living in a world that is absolutely what he what uh Charles Taylor says is disenchanted. There's no there's no supernatural out there. Yeah, and at this point that seems it's so yesterday that was mom and dad's generation. Uh it's old fashioned. Uh it it, it we can go down the road of of Marx and Lenin and like religion is the opiate of the masses or the poor and and it's just old school. Uh, you believed in something rather than nothing because you couldn't handle the thought that life is purely materialistic. There's no God. There's no creator. There's no spiritual anything. You just do that because you can't understand the world. And so you've come up with this fairy tale in order to make yourself feel better and make sense of the world. And 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 because – and this is the thing. Now, we're talking about Gen Z, Renton. Uh, that's who you're surrounded by at Bob Jones University, Gen Z. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mentioned right. this before the show started. I started my classes back up this week for Noble U. I've got like 224 students, all Gen Z, all between pretty much eighth grade and 18. They're all Gen Z. They are they are grown. They have grown up in a world that you and I never experienced at their age. Pretty much mm-hmm. anybody watching or listening right now, none of us grew up in that world. The challenge with the digital age, and you brought this up, is that they are exposed to so many different ways of thinking. And because they have very little wisdom or discernment, there's so much pressure on them to, if you're a Christian and you believe the Bible, that's so antiquated, and not just antiquated, but dangerous, hateful, homophobic, bigoted, judgmental. Mm. There's so much baggage there. And so then they just start to live in a purely materialistic world, a disenchanted world, as you said. So when we come back from the break— We're going to kind of talk about uh, the gods of Generation Z, the gods of Gen Z, small g. We're going to unpack these. These are there's a lot here to work with personal experience. So how do you you decide what's right? What's good? What's your truth? That's personal experience, positive uniqueness. Everybody's a snowflake and then pluralistic ethics. So where do you draw the line on right and wrong, good and bad? And in a disenchanted world like this, it just becomes chaos. (laughs) We have right. 340 million Americans in a disenchanted world. You got 340 million versions of truth. Extrapolate mm-hmm. that out to the globe. You got about 8 billion. And you live in a world with 8 billion different versions of the rules of the road. And what's going to happen? 
a lot of train wrecks. That's what's going to happen. That is, in fact, what is happening. We're talking to Dr. Renton Rathbun from the Center for Biblical Worldview on Theology Thursday. We'll be right back. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, the Steve Noble Show for friends on Facebook and Rumble. Sorry about that. We don't have audio there right now, but we'll work on that. And uh, so I'm talking to them right now. Try the stream. I'll have to give them a link for that. I'm not going to do it right now. So we'll just uh, focus on radio here today with our good friend Renton Rathbun. He's the director of the Center for Biblical Worldview at Bob Jones University, our good friend for Theology Thursdays. And we're talking about Gen Z. That's pretty much sixth grade through college. So pretty much in the 12, 13 through 21, 22, 23 years of age. That's Gen Z, okay? And, and most of them, the vast majority to say the least, are living in what we're calling a disenchanted world. That's just materialism. There's no supernatural. There's no God. There's nothing outside of the material world. Okay, that's thus a material girl living in a material world. That's what the Gen Z people are doing, most of them. That's uh, the generation they're living in. That's the experience that they have because um, a lot, uh, oftentimes, it's because of the amount of information coming at them. Renton, when you and I were we little lads and we were in fourth grade or sixth grade or even high school, <clears throat> I mean, the information coming into us was limited, to say the least. Mom and dad, school, uh, n- none of us were reading the morning news. We might have watched a little network news at night. You weren't watching anything over the weekend. Maybe your dad watched Tim Russert on Sunday morning. We just didn't have that much coming at us. And then we go to church and we listen to what our parents said. And that was pretty much it. Now kids are getting about 32 gigabytes a day of information coming at them. And uh, and so they've got just – do you think that's largely it, why they're so materialistic, just meaning living in a material world, discounting the supernatural, meaning discounting God? Is it just because they have so many alternatives? Well, yeah. Well, I think it comes down to the three gods that they serve uh, typically. Um you see, in order to believe in a God, especially a supernatural God, you have to believe what God's word says. You have to believe what your pastor says, what your parents say, which all comes down to authority. And so social media has taught young people that authority should always be suspicious. Authority needs to, to be proven. Authority needs, uh, you know, it can't just be respected. It must earn your respect. And so personal experience becomes this... Um, one of the most close knit gods that they have, because when they, when they look at something that an authority says, you need to believe in this, you need to believe in God. Um, they first think of, well, my personal experiences show me that a lot of the Christian people are kind of mean. Um, when it comes to my friends who are, uh, you know, tangled up in, in sin and things like that, or they find that, uh, well, church is kind of boring. That's been my personal experience. It's not very convincing. Right. But what is convincing are the lights, you know, from their phone. <laughs> and so social media also teaches you a second way to worship, uh, which is to worship your uniqueness. Mm-hmm. Um, that is That has become huge because social media is designed for you to be unique otherwise no one's going to look at your content and so if you want to be noticed if you want people to relate to you if you want people to click uh on your right. on your links follow or likes, you follow you if, if that matters to you then you've got to be unique so then what 
on earth makes you unique. And I'll tell you this, a lot of young people are finding what can make me unique is going to clash with my religion. And I think that's where we're finding a lot of young people that are suspicious of religion, not because religion's unreasonable, not because Christianity is problematic. Um, After 2,000 years, I think people have figured out a lot of the issues that people thought were a problem in the Bible, and turns out they're not. But that doesn't even matter because it has to run the test of my personal experience. Will this allow me to be unique in the way I need to be unique for my followers? And if it doesn't, then that's going to cross on the problem of my ethics. Then how can you say I'm not this or that um, because the Bible says so? Well, how do I even know that's true? Right. And that's where we find those gods, uh, you know, fighting against the, the true God. Yeah, because you've got the uh, and I was talking about this in my classes earlier today, the problem with Christianity and with a biblical worldview and just the notion of there is a God. He has spoken. He has revealed himself. He is knowable is that if that's true, that brings with it so much baggage, Mm -hmm. (laughs) all this baggage that's going to get in the way of your personal experience, because now you have something else making a judgment about your personal experience. That feels good. It looks good. I enjoyed it. And the Bible comes along and says, tisk, tisk, tisk. Wrong. (laughs) You shouldn't have done that. And then the uniqueness. Well, let's just look at gender now. I mean, on on Facebook, you got slightly over 70 different options for gender. The Bible comes in uh, in a disenchanted world and says, well, actually, sorry, gang. There's two Uh, male, female. That's it. There's different expressions of maleness mm. and femaleness. I think we've dropped the ball there. But in terms of actually, I'm a man, I'm a woman, that's set uh, by your DNA and by your creator when you are uh, created in the womb. And that, and so, it, I'll, and then uniqueness, even besides that, Renton, uh, you can't just create your own reality with the Bible because God puts some parameters in there. This is yeah, good, this is bad, this right. is beautiful, this is not, this is ugly, this is sinful, this is helpful. And then that just starts to squash all this stuff. And I think the same reason Gen Z has become disenchanted and they're so materialistic and living in a material world is the same reason that people 3000 years ago wanted to blow it off. Mm. It's just now there's a lot more, it's a lot more crowded uh, space. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I think that um, as they, as they try to, as they try to make sense of Christianity, this is the limitation I see with a lot of, with a lot of young people today is that they've already created their plate of reality. Their plate of reality has been decorated by their experiences and what makes them special and what they think is right and wrong, because now that's a big issue because, you know, like you said before, when we were young, no one cared what, you know, we didn't like try to decide whether Reagan was the right president or not. I mean, we barely knew Reagan was president. Um, And so, we just didn't get involved in that. We were still, you know, throwing rocks into the windows of abandoned buildings. Uh, we didn't <laughs> yes. think that someone cared what I thought about the universe. Uh, but today, everyone seems to care. That's part of that uniqueness and that self-expression. And so when when these kids put everything together that way, they've already made their plate of reality. Right. And then they go to, to church and someone says, you need God and say, OK, well, I'll get God in there. Um, because I need him and I'm in a Christian family, but God needs to fit right. in what I've already decorated. And that's when everything starts falling apart. They start looking on 
YouTube or Google to find some theologian that will allow them to live the way they right. want to live. Yeah, that will give me the dry erase Bible <laughs> yeah. and, and I'll pull a Jefferson. I'll create the one that I'm comfortable with. That's and, right. And, and so then, and then at that point, it becomes so weak and worthless. You just chuck the whole thing. Yes. And that's where you get what we call deconstruction. I deconstruct my faith. Mm. I was constructed into it by my parents and other people. They built this edifice up. And then once I started to look more closely, I'm like, oh, hold on a second. And then I pulled it apart. And then it becomes worthless. And so knowledge becomes worthless. Uh, it's non-ethical. It's neutral because there is no meta narrative. There's no grand arching story that says this is good. This is bad. And then it's just whatever you want, which is exactly what we've wanted since we got kicked out of the garden. So in many ways, Solomon, once again, is right. There's nothing new under the sun. Uh, that's a disenchanted world. But why do Gen Z people need to believe in an enchanted world, otherwise known as a real world? We'll be right back. Rush should it be Madonna? I don't know. Get, whatever. Let's move on. It's Theology <laughs> Thursday with our friends at Bob Jones uh, BJU Seminary as well as Bob Jones University. Renton Rathbun back in the house of the day. The, he is the director of the Center for Biblical Worldview. And I'm going to put those links up on Facebook Live and, and Rumble for you to go right to the Center for Biblical Worldview at BJU. Uh, even though people on Rumble and Facebook can't hear us. But if you're on the radio <laughs> and you go check that out. You'll see those links and you can go check it out. A lot of great resources. Renton's doing an amazing job there. And uh, and we're talking about that. We're always going to use a biblical worldview because that's who we are. That's what we have. That's what we believe. That's what we've been educated in. And it makes sense and it's operable and it's true. Uh, but truth isn't uh, so so popular anymore. So we're talking about a material girl living in a material world. Gen Z, basically sixth grade through college. And they live in, in what uh, Renton started us off with understanding in a disenchanted world, meaning totally materialistic no god no supernatural no demons no no uh angels and like you mentioned renton go back 400 years pretty much everybody was that was ubiquitous we all kind of believe yeah. that and uh and now because you've got so much information so many different perspectives are in play because of the digital world you've got a lot of people that are confused by that don't know how to work through all that plus the sin nature of mankind wants it to be false anyway you want it to go away that's why we love darwin because he appeared to give us a silver bullet to kill God. Uh, so, but living in a disenchanted world like they do, and you put some of these points in, in our talking points, knowledge is non-ethical and neutral. Okay, so you don't judge it based on right or wrong, good or bad. Knowledge is information. Knowledge is maintained by the gods, not critical thinking. And so you've got an, a, an interesting problem there. But we know that Gen Z needs to actually believe in an enchanted world. So what do we mean by that? The third major point. When we talk about a biblical worldview... Um, typically, people are thinking more um, more in terms of presuppositions. They're thinking more mechanically. But really, what we mean when we're talking about a biblical worldview or any kind of worldview, what we're really talking about is what is the story that I am living in that makes sense of everything I'm yeah. looking at and thinking about. Um, because a worldview, really what it does is it, it helps you make meaning mm. out of everything you're you're experiencing. Right. And so when we talk about an enchanted world, the question is, why is it that so many young people have chosen a worldview where the story they're living in is a story of a where there are no supernatural things going on, 
And if someone is going to convince you of it, something big has to happen using the material world for you to believe it. And what it really comes down to is that it's not, it's not more reasonable to believe in a disenchanted world. Mm. Um, I think a lot of young people think that, but it is, it is absolutely reasonable to believe in an enchanted world in which, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. A storyline that makes sense of the world, knowing that everything began in a supernatural way, and the material world is the, is the visitor walking around. Mm. Uh, we tend to think that the supernatural God we're, we're trying to believe in is visiting us in this established material world, but really material is the visitor. And what's actually real is the God that does not have a body like a man, the God who is a spirit, the God who before time began, before there was space-time, mm. there was his presence and nothing else. And so when we, want, when we want them to believe in an enchanted world, we want them to begin the story the way Scripture begins the story that makes sense of the world, which is not in the beginning there was the earth. It's in the beginning God had to be there so that material things could exist. Right. So we start in mystery. We start in supernatural. And I think that for young people, they cannot... Um, they cannot or will not accept that storyline to begin their thought process. Which has massive implications. Yes. The funny thing about that is when you go back to in the beginning, God, even the, the materialist, the, the Gen Z person trying to live in a disenchanted world where there's only material, even, even they come out of mystery. Because they go to the Big Bang, and you're like, okay, so there was nothing. We, we, we pretty much all agree on that at this point. There's nothing. And mm. then Shazam, bada-bing, bada-boom, kabosh, <laughs> yeah. kaboom, whatever. Uh, then there's this explosion. There's no first cause. It violates all these laws of thermodynamics and physics. Science would look at that and go, yeah, no. Uh, so there's there's mystery even there for the materialist. And then it creates everything which then over billions of years organizes itself and the next thing you know we have Renton and Steve on radio via internet sometimes usually on Facebook live and rumble <laughs> with all these different mechanisms behind us but that was all pretty much just random stuff over billions of years and here we are mm -hmm. uh, but everybody starts in mystery and that that's why I'm like I've t talking to my students about it this week. I'm like, listen, you don't need to be afraid of that. The atheist agnostic, they all have to start in the same place. They all start with That's mystery. Right. So yes. don't act like you're the you're the only who mystical enchanted person in the room. We <laughs> all right. are. Right. God hard God hardwired his the universe he created to insist on mystery at the beginning. Mm, so good. if you if you look at the the more recent um, studies in quantum. You will find that quantum field theory and general relativity is, has an issue. The things that happen in the general relativity can't happen in quantum. But through the mathematics, they have found or have come to believe through the mathematics that something must have existed prior to space-time. I mean, this is – and these are, these are not believers. These are not people searching for God. These right. are people 
who are just doing the math. Right. And what they've found is something must have existed prior to space time. They don't know what it is. There are people theorizing that it might be consciousness in general. Ooh. This idea of consciousness existing you're prior in, to space time. You're in the ballpark. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, think about what they're saying. They're saying <laughs> yes. something existed before objects because something in the world has to be there for time to right. elapse because and then something has to have space to be there so what on earth are we talking about <laughs> when we're saying that before space time we have no idea what we're saying it's complete mystery now this might surprise a few people not the least of which would be you renton but my nickname has never been nor ever will be oppenheimer that being said, I do understand exactly what you're talking about. I don't need a PhD. I don't need math. I don't need an advanced degree, even though I have one, to understand that in order for creation to exist, uh, if I'm going to be honest scientifically, there had to be something because, mm -hmm. because nothing can't create itself. That's ex nihilo. That requires something outside of time and space. And now at least they're at least they're intellectually honest enough at this point in 2023 to say, yeah, there's got to be something with a small. Yes. S. They definitely are not there yet to say it was someone, but they're right. willing to say it was something. Yeah. And and as unbelievers, even if they came to the conclusion, it must be a God, it will never be the God of the Bible. No, they could never accept that God. And so even if we even if the pendulum swings back and we come back to an enchanted world, uh, the God, uh, the true God will will not be acknowledged by the world uh, because they are suppressing the truth and unrighteousness. Right. But I'll say even this um, with our last couple minutes before the break, the the same mystery that lies behind creation where we're not sure how, you know, if you don't have a God, it's unclear how it began. Thinking is the same way. Epistemology, how mm. we come to know things, is as much as a mystery as how is it possible for us to come to know something through a justified true belief, having the right kind of system in our head and the right presuppositions to even make thought work is still a huge mystery. Yeah. Which brings me to something we might, might want to, tackle next next uh in our next section is uh proverbs 7 1 that the fear of the lord is the beginning of knowledge right, right that's the hardest thing for young people to grasp that knowledge itself cannot even begin without the fear of the lord and we need to unpack what that means yeah. for the young people today yeah. and you've mentioned the a word a few times since we started the show uh all all you sinners out there it's not that one the A word that I'm referring to is authority. And, yes. and therein lies the rub. So when you have that the beginning of knowledge is, uh, as you mentioned, Proverbs 7, 1, the fear of the Lord. I, I, once mm. again, uh, he, uh, I said this to my students today, I'm all week. I said, yeah, you know, do any of you like a tattletale? Like, does anybody like a tattletale? No, we all hate the <laughs> tattletale. Uh, were any of you a tattletale? Don't put your hand up. Uh but why do we hate the tattletale? Because more often than not, the tattletale rats us out for something that was in fact wrong. Sometimes <laughs> yeah, they right. make it up and frame you, right? It's all bogus. But most of the time, you're getting busted for something that was actually wrong. God is the ultimate cosmic tattletale. We'll be right back. 
Welcome to Steve Noble, The Steve Noble Show. For those of you that are used to watching the show on Facebook and Rumble, we figured out what's going on, uh, so we'll fit, get that fixed. Just not today. Uh, so tune in tomorrow, <laughs> and we'll be back with audio. You can see our beautiful, uh, incredibly attractive faces on Facebook and Rumble. You just can't hear the amazing things that we're saying, uh, and usually Renton saying more amazing stuff than me, but that's why we have him on here, Renton Rathbun, the director of the Center for Biblical Worldview at Bob Jones University down in beautiful Greenville, South Carolina. School kicks up when for you guys? Next week? Next week. Looking forward to it. Yep, we're back at it and uh, trying to get to the hearts and minds of Gen Z, which is who we're talking about today. A material girl living in a material world. Uh, way too many of them, if not the vast majority of them, live in what uh, Renton introduced as a disenchanted world, which is just materialism. There's no God. There's no supernatural. But you were talking about, and then we're going to get into this notion of authority in, in Proverbs 7.1. That even all these quantum uh, mechanics people, quantum physicists, and then the other uh, uh, scientific realm, they're all sitting there going, okay, we did the math, and uh, it, with the Big Bang and, and, and everything that exists, uh, we're pretty sure that there had to be something before that. So there has to be something outside of there. Uh, but the last thing they're going to do, which we, you said before we hit the break, Renton, is the last thing they're going to do is go to the Bible. As a matter of fact, they're going to run away from the Bible's claim to be that something in the form yeah. of a someone. And, and that's really the rub. You said uh, Proverbs 7, 1, that fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And, and nobody likes that because with this story, if that's in fact the deal, uh, then God has the ultimate authority in our lives. And that violates pretty much everything about us as <laughs> sinful, depraved people. Right. Isn't that yes. the crux of the problem? Absolutely. And and even to be clear, I know there's a lot of people that want to soften the uh, whole fear thing when it says the fear of the Lord. A lot of people, oh, it just means respect. And, you know, to an extent, that's true. But it also does mean fear. It's a fear of displeasing, a fear of the wrath of God. Um, it's like when we were kids. Um, we loved our dads. But when we did something wrong, we were deathly afraid of what dad was going to do. How we did you know? How did you know when things were not great between you and your dad? When you were a little, a wee little lad, what, what, what did he say? What did he do? My dad uh, had a look. So oh. if we're sitting in church, and he, I did something that I knew I wasn't supposed to do, but thought I could get away with. There was one look he had mm. that basically meant you may or may not suffer when we get home. <laughs> If I forget about it, you know, good for you, but I may not. Yeah. That kind of a look. That kind of look. Yeah. yeah. With my dad, it was full name. Oh, if I heard yeah. Stephen Bryan, yeah, that that <laughs> that's that's not a birthday party. That's that's not a hey, supper's ready, Stephen Bryan. Because <laughs> my dad had a really intense voice, uh, and yeah. then that was that was that fear. Yes, d don't fear man who can only kill the body. Fear God who can who can who can destroy both body and soul. In mm -hmm. hell, like forever. Yeah. And even for us as believers, I think we, uh, I think we go, well, I'm covered. Okay. That, yeah. I'll wear flip-flops in the throne room. That, that's a little, that's, you're too yeah. casual there. Yeah, that's right. Because there, there's a sense. He is, he is our God. He has redeemed us if we are believers. Amen. And, he, ha and he, he loves us more than we can understand what that e word even means. But because of that, uh, we should fear 
uh, displeasing him. We should fear disappointing him. Uh, you know what that means to him anyway. To us, disappointment usually is a surprise. <laughs> but to him, there is no surprises, but yeah. he still can be disappointed with us. And we should fear that. And even the wrath that comes when he when he pursues his children. And so, you know, understanding how, you know, you have that respect, you have that fear, that kind of work is necessary for real knowledge to begin because knowledge is not something that's out there in this amorphous place that everyone gets to then share in. God doesn't then reach for knowledge and we reach for knowledge mm-hmm. like we're reaching into a into the same popcorn bowl and our hands touch. What's happening is that all the knowledge comes from God. It is all his. Proverbs talks about that over and over. This is his. So in order to ethically engage in knowledge, the first step really is to fear the Lord first, which which should be humbling to people, you know, who have 6 million PhDs and they're right. super duper smart and they're right. doing all this amazing work that real knowledge can start in the same way it starts with a six-year-old. It can start with a PhD, which means bowing your knee to your God right. first. And th- yeah, that's that. And, and so ultimately what this Gen Z needs is a, is a return to, and this is what you put in the notes, is a return to reverence for authority. Mm, that's right. And that's what we don't like. So in, like in my ethics class today, I was ta- I, we were going to do this in a later class, but I God present, opened the door, so I walked through it. I said, okay, what are the sources of authority in your life? And they start going, teachers, coaches, bosses, parents, uh, uh, peers. Uh, and then somebody said, uh, the Bible? I said, okay, ma- that made number six on the list. Cool. What, <laughs> God, that's number seven. Uh, pastors, that's number eight. I said, you're missing one. And they couldn't figure it out. They never do. And I said, here's, here's the one that you're missing. Uh, yourself. Mm. yourself as the authority in your life, which operationally is probably the number one authority in your life most of the time. Yeah, that's right. And because that's true, because of our depravity, that's why this A word, authority, uh, is such a big deal. So if you want true knowledge, you have to get into the enchanted world. You have to return to a reverence for authority, and then you make these points. An authority must be the measurement. It just is. People don't like that. An authority interprets by by way of making data fit the story it proclaims. Yikes. An authority confirms everything and is not confirmed itself. The pot, the clay doesn't get to question the potter. That's right. Yeah. And this is something, you know, I used to teach logic for many years, and this was something that was hard for people to grasp because they would call it circular reasoning. They would say, well, you just believe this because this says it's an authority. Um, you know, and they do that with the Bible all the time. Yeah. Why do you believe the Bible? Well, the Bible says it's the authority. And, and they say, well, that's circular reasoning. But then you ask them, well, then why do you believe in logic? Well, because it would be really illogical not to believe in logic, right? <laughs> I mean, I mean, there's that logic. That sounds circular to me. <laughs> yes. I mean, God, again, has hardwired the human brain to have to have an authority by which they measure the world and by which nothing can measure that measurement. I mean, otherwise we'd turn into to Hindus where we just have this regression that never ends. Right. Like, how do you know that's true? Well, because of this measurement. How do you know that measurement's true? Because of this measurement. How do you know that measurement's true? And you just go on and on. But eventually what you end up with is a measurement that is trusted to give you the right measurement and nothing is going to question it. Mm-hmm. 
it is the thing you use to question everything else. And people, and you know what? I would say this in my logic class in front of a bunch of heathen kids that did not believe in the Bible. And I would say, and as a Christian, that's how I believe in God's word. And they, they would say, how could you possibly use God's word as the authority to question logic, to question everything else? And that, this is what I would tell them. I said, for me to be able to do that, it would take an act of God. Otherwise, there's no way I can do it. Right. And they would stare at me thinking I just gave a euphemism of some sort. But really what I'm telling them is it takes an act of God. Yes. So <laughs> you were being literal. Not, yeah. It's not that I just found this book that through my intellect I really right. felt is true. The Holy Spirit worked in me. And that's why I believe something supernatural happened. And I live in an enchanted world. And so I can believe that because the Holy Spirit does work that way. Yeah, and in a classroom full of heathen kids, I'd be like, you guys are actually proving the Bible to be true because the Bible says nobody seeks God. And you just confirm that. Yes, that's right. That's right. And and this is the thing with our with our depravity. Our depravity is so strong that we cannot accept an authority unless we unless we approve of it. And that's how we keep our power over the authority. I approve of it because it matched all my logic, my personal experiences, my uniqueness, right. and my ethics, right. and I approve. <laughs> Fits nicely. Yes. And my approval then becomes the authority over the authority, and it really isn't the authority. My approval is yeah. based on my, on my measurements. And so we have to get back to, to the real world that's filled, as, as Luther said, that are a, a world that's that's filled with devils. You know, if you if you sing the song "A Mighty Fortress Is Our God," you get the sense that we're living in a supernatural world where we have a warrior God that fights for us in this supernatural world. Yeah, yeah. and that's where you know. And and I'm going to go back to what you said in your logic class. Is it people are like, well, why can you do that? That doesn't make any sense. Blah, 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 blah. And you say, well, it would well it would take an act of God. And we have to remember that you, you, mm-hmm. you can be sh- Renton sharp. I'm pretty sharp and, and we can both get into vigorous conversations with people and debates, but for them to be willing to bow the knee, to go from the unen- the disenchanted to the enchanted world, to acknowledge that, uh, with honesty, yes, I, I know there's something rather than nothing. All of that, uh, can only happen when God makes it happen which is John 6.44 and John 6.65. Nobody comes to the Son unless the Father draws him. And so we understand and we have these conversations and we apply logic and we apply philosophy. We use all the tools at our disposal. But ultimately, it's a supernatural exchange uh, and only God can pull that off, which is why you can be really smart. But if you don't pray, if you're not praying for people, if you're not invoking the supernatural and you think you can get it done on your own, it's not going to happen. Uh, we live in a in an enchanted world, and you have to play in that forest because that's the deal. And so make sure you're praying. You can be smart. You can be swift. You can hang, hand out a lot of great books like Charles Taylor's book, but it's a supernatural act. It really is God that makes it happen. It's a great reminder for all of us. Renton, thanks for being here today, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. You look good, but nobody can hear what you say on Facebook <laughs> or Rumble. This <laughs> is Steve Noble and the Steve Noble Show. God willing, I'll be back again tomorrow. And like my dad always used to say, ever forward. Another program powered by the Truth Network.